Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Golden of JetsXFactor.com. And as always, I got former Jet running back Lamont Jordan here with me. Slight uh, light news week going on in Jets land at the moment. Super Bowl was coming up in just a couple of days. Pro Bowl was a lot of fun. Had a couple of Jets there. But really, we're just waiting on the big news on who's going to be the quarterback. So we're going to give a quick little update on that. Talk about Super Bowl a little bit. And then make sure you guys stop by on Saturday. For our full Super Bowl breakdown and official picks presented by Bet Online. Speaking of, I have to thank our friends over on betonline.ag for sponsoring, as always, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, whether it be NFL, college hoops, college basketball, soccer, lacrosse, anything under the sun, they got it there over at Bet Online. Latest, they got the latest odds, team injury news, updates, live scores, anything you could possibly need. Free contests as well to give you some better odds when things are not looking so hot. And as always, make sure you're heading on over with your first sign-up bonus. You can use the promo code BELIEVE at or B-L-E-A-V. Uh, when you sign up, that gets you a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Some free money to get you guys started. Bet online where the game starts. Lamont, let's start today, like I alluded to, talking about these quarterbacks. There really is two big dominoes with the Jets right now, being Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. Where they are going to go, it seems Carr is destined to be leaving Oakland or Las Vegas. And it seems Rodgers is still up in the air over, over whether he's going to retire, whether he's going to stay with Green Bay, whether he's going to look somewhere else. So I just want to get your quick assessment before we jump into this and really break down the news, hearing from you personally. Have you thought about this a lot? Who would you rather have between Carr and Rodgers? Oh, it's a no-brainer. Give me, give me Aaron Rodgers 10 out of 10 times. I'm trying not to get too excited. Remember when we talked early on, I said, I don't want to spend a bunch of money to bring in a big name quarterback. I would much rather we spend the money getting offensive linemen. And, you know, what are we going to do about mostly? Juan Alexander is a free agent. We have a number of free agents. And then we have to think about our future because Robert Sala, like I said, I think that he's on a trajectory that he can be here for some years. Yeah. This right here is one of those crossroads. This is one of those critical, critical decisions. Um, if I have to choose between the two, I'm going with Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to have to give up a lot to get Aaron Rodgers. Um, but if we have a chance to get him for something that's reasonable, that's not going to set us back, then I go with Aaron Rodgers. Because at that point, I don't care who your offensive coordinator is. You know, you can give him the game plan. The fact of the matter is the guy that's the signal caller has seen it all. He can get the ball to the right person. Then you, when you talk, remember this, this, this whole season, I kept talking about the details. The details. Our wideouts aren't running flat on their dig routes. Well, if Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, people can call him an a-hole and all these different types of things all you want to. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a Jets fan, you're going to love the fact that he's your quarterback because your wide receiver core has no excuses now. Those yeah. details that I've talked about, if a coach isn't getting on them, then you know that Aaron Rodgers is going to get on them because he's proven it time and time again. So for me, it's a no-brainer. Give me, give me Aaron Rodgers with this wide receiver core that we have, uh, with a healthy Brees Hall. Just give us an offensive line that that can protect him, and bringing in defensive players that can that can keep the defense where it is. What we don't want to do is drop from a top ten to down to like a seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. We we can't have that. We 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 will not get the results that we're looking for at the end of the year. So for me, it's it's Aaron Rodgers all all day long. Yeah, I think very simply, when you're looking at it, Carr versus Rodgers, if you're looking at things just objectively of these two players and you're not factoring in money or draft capital or age or anything else involved, just play on the field, it is a no-brainer. Absolutely, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the better player. 
He's still an, an MVP caliber quarterback. I don't think anyone is going to deny that. Is he getting older? Yes. Was last year a down year? Yes. But even in a down year for Aaron Rodgers, it would have been one of the best seasons in Jets quarterback history. So these are, you know, the, the level of standard we're talking about when you're dealing with a guy that's a future Hall of Famer, quite honestly. And I don't think anybody would be denying that whatsoever. For me personally, this is where things kind of get a little iffy <laughs> because just on the field, it's a no-brainer. It's Rodgers. Everything else to me says Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Where if I'm looking at this just as who's going to be the better quarterback for the Jets in 2023, Aaron Rodgers is the answer. Who's the best quarterback for the Jets in 2023 and beyond? Then it becomes a little trickier. Rodgers is going to be entering his 40-year-old season in 2024. There's already been so many years back and forth over will he retire, won't he retire, is he going to stay, is he not going to stay? That's a lot of extra stuff that you're going to have to deal with year in and year out with a guy who's going to be playing in his 40s, unless he has such a great time in New York that maybe he was just retiring to get out of Green Bay. But that's also a risk you don't know without knowing the guy personally and making the move. We've already seen the the volatility that can come from Rodgers That's definitely a concern for me. The much bigger concern, quite honestly, is the contract that he is currently under that is set to pay him an ungodly amount of money over the next handful of years, not just 2023. His contract extends with void years and bonuses well into 2025 and 2026 even before you really start getting into any situations where you can cut Rodgers and not handicap your team from a dead cap standpoint. That, to me, is also scary because then you're committing to this guy financially for multiple, multiple years when there is no guarantee that he's absolutely going to last. Now, if I had to put my gut feeling on it, knowing what I know about quarterbacks, knowing what I know about athletes at this position and how they survive, the guys who are the most supremely talented throwers tend to last longer than others because Mm -hmm. their arms can carry the length of time. That's why you have Brett Favre playing well into the end of his career. Tom Brady, who's changed his throwing motion, and has gotten a lot better as a thrower, has been able to play well into his 40s as well. And the the stark contrast for me is Peyton Manning, where you get to Peyton Manning's career as that was ending, and Peyton was a talented, talented quarterback, don't get me wrong, but I don't think anyone in the world is going to say he was had the best arm talent of anyone around. It was a good arm, but Peyton's was vision, timing, understanding your defense, understanding your coverage, and I'm going to draw up a play here in 15 seconds before the play clock runs out that's going to carve you up. Once that, the the baseline of arm talent for Peyton Manning fell apart in really his last two seasons, you saw a, a drastic decline. And Peyton Manning in his last year as a starter was probably the worst quarterback in football. Yes. For as talented and as smart and as everything else as Peyton Manning is, and I don't think anything he was seeing was wrong. I don't think anything he was calling or audibling was wrong. It's not like this guy forgot how to be a pro quarterback. But mm. when you can't get the ball to the target, that's the most important part. Mm. With Rodgers, I feel a little less worried about that because he is such a gifted thrower and he does have so much arm talent and it is a a, a natural thing for him where I feel like that's going to last a little bit. But that's still not guaranteed. And it's still a bit of a risk looking at it from the sense of, is Aaron Rodgers at 42 going to be throwing the ball the same he is at 39? I wish I knew the answer to that. And if it was an easy answer, then I'm sure, you know, Jets, the Jets and any other team interested would be trying to do what they could to get this guy as well. On top of the draft capital, it's going to take to acquire where you're likely going to be looking at a conditional first round pick would be my guess. I don't think it's going to be a pick for this year. I think the Jets would absolutely, and or really any other team, quite honestly, would want to set themselves up in a situation where they can give themselves conditions and see what they have and let the success of the 2023 season kind of dictate their capital. I can see a situation where the Jets trade conditionally their first round pick in 2024 if they make the playoffs with Aaron Rodgers. And if they don't, then it becomes a two and a four or something like that. Or maybe it's a two and a four that becomes a one and a four or something along those lines that's going to be dependent on what Rodgers does in 2023 and how he succeeds. I think it would be really, 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 really stupid to blindly throw trade assets at Aaron Rodgers right now and take away your ability to round out this roster for the upcoming season. If you take away your, if you're the Jets and you give up your 2023 first round pick 13th overall straight up for Aaron Rodgers, I don't like that trade. I don't like that trade. 
I think like you said, Lamont, we got to fix this offensive line. I think the number one way you're going to fix it is by drafting an offensive tackle in the first round and giving yourself some depth and a guy to work with Mekhi Becton, work under Dwayne Brown. If Dwayne Brown retires or plays one more year, give some insurance for Max Mitchell on the other side. You got to improve this line. The Jets only have six, <laughs> five or six draft picks in this coming draft. They lost a, a sixth round pick going to Jacksonville for James Robinson, which seems like a completely useless trade at this point and a complete waste of a pick you don't have like in years past and i know many jets fans are used to this they're used to having the the boatload of ammo they're used to having you know the the weapons locker stocked full with as much picks and and free agent money as they possibly need and that isn't the case this year they are Mm -hmm. right about middle of the pack when it comes to cap space they really don't have too much they're probably going to have to make some cap casualties to give themselves some more room to work with and that's not counting what Aaron Rodgers is going to count against your cap on a trade. So mm-hmm. there is dominoes that need to fall to open that up. And I feel like the commitment to Rodgers is so much bigger. I want to talk about Derek Carr though, because I'm looking at this situation from the Jets perspective. And again, we're not saying outside of just on the field, just on the field, give me Aaron Rodgers all day for the Jets as a whole and their future. Like you mentioned, Lamont, making sure the future is secure and that this isn't a flash-in-the-pan situation, I think Derek Carr is easily the better choice. Easily. One, he's only 31 years old. So you have an opportunity to continue to grow as time goes on. If you execute a trade or you sign Derek Carr as a free agent if he gets released from Las Vegas and he gets on the open market, and you're hoping as the Jets that everything works out, that Carr plays well, you succeed, you make the playoffs, you're contending for a Super Bowl, your offense is firing on all cylinders with the young skill talent that you have, if I'm the Jets, I want to keep that situation going for as long as we can. I don't want to make this move, have it work, and then in two to three years, look back and go, was that like a dream? What happened? Like, we're right back where we were before. Derek Carr at 31 can play five, six, maybe even seven years later on in his career. And another guy that's a talented thrower that I don't think is going to have an absolutely steep decline drop off like we saw out of a Peyton Manning. And I alluded to the thought that he could get released, which I think is a possibility. If he gets released, then it doesn't cost you any draft capital. Yeah. Then you don't got to spend any draft picks, no conditional, nothing. And you can set the terms of, of your own contract. Yeah. You can set up that deal however you want to set it up as long as Carr agrees to it. And you're not com- you might not have to be committed to a Derek Carr in 2025, 2026 if you don't want to be. If mm-hmm. things work out that way, great. You can re-sign him again. You can try and keep things going and, and continue to be successful but you're not banking yourself into that situation of going, this guy is going to be on our books regardless of how he plays or how anything else goes. I think it's a really easy choice. And before we get into the major news about Derek Carr, I want to get your opinion on this because objectively, I completely and totally agree with you. The skill gap between Rodgers and Carr is evident. That We are not talking about guys that are plug and play the same and the Jets will be just as good with Derek Carr as they would be with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think that's the case whatsoever. But I also think that the cost of acquisition and let alone the cost of acquisition, the cost for the future is also a steep difference. And it might be too much of a difference for me to justify taking on Rodgers. Man, that's a lot. And I I love your argument for Carr because it definitely makes it makes a lot of sense. Um, Here's. If Carr becomes a free agent. And you're signing Derek Carr for about a two or three year deal, then I'm with the Derek Carr move. Yep. Because you're obviously going to sign him to a deal already thinking about this that if it doesn't work out, we're at a price, we can start moving forward, things of that nature. It also gives you an opportunity to try and draft your next player. So, whoever your quarterback is, I think you bring them in and you make it clear that, listen, you know, coming up on your last year or whenever, we're going to draft a quarterback to replace you. And you make it a Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes type situation. You draft yes. a quarterback to do one thing. You're just coming in to sit for a year. Yep. That's what you're Watch him learn, coming, kid. Yeah, watch watch him learn. My concern with Derek Carr is we put ourselves in a position to be the Denver Broncos. We have the Broncos head coach as our OC. We know what happened with him and Russell Wilson. All right. 
Many believe that he got that job simply because it was a, a, a way to try to lure Aaron Rodgers to come into Denver. That did not work out. We see how horrible. I mean, matter of fact, that was horrible for Denver, how that worked. I don't like the Hackett with Carr combination because I feel like it's Denver. From a financial standpoint, yes, he becomes a free agent, but do we need a guy? This team, and we talked about this the last show, this team, when you talk about the coaching staff, is more of a, come on, guys, let's go. Yes, positive reinforcement. It's a National Football League. We talked about the offensive line coach from Tennessee coming in, right? He's going to be that, he's going to be that voice. I like that combination with Aaron Rodgers. Because you have your starting quarterback and you have your offensive line coach who have the same type of mentality, and that's the mentality that this team is missing. So after Aaron Rodgers goes into to the to the dark place, and, and I, I'm not mad at him. People look, listen. If you look at society, if you look at TV, if you look at the people that we follow as stars and things of that nature, there is something that most people will consider weird about them because it's different. Aaron Rodgers is just a different dude. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if if it's the last drive of the game and you need a touchdown, he's one of three quarterbacks. You're taking him first, second, or third in the National Football League, and there are only two other quarterbacks you're competing with, Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. That's it. I'm not taking the boy. I'm not taking Allen. Yeah. There are and you any- can't even count Brady anymore. He's retired. So if we take Brady out of that, maybe we throw a Joe. No, I'm not even putting Joe Burrow in there because he hasn't won a Super Bowl. So for me, for the Jets, I think that if we're going to take one of these two guys, I would like it to go like this. Dream scenario. Aaron Rodgers goes and shuts himself in a room with just himself. All right. He comes to grips with some things that he could have done better with, better at as a leader, not just in football, but just as a man in life. Because right now, him going in here could be him transitioning to life off of the field. All right? Because what I'm just telling you, it doesn't matter. When it's over, it's over. And those of us who love the game, we want to be able to play forever. But when it's over, it's over. And nobody can understand what it's like to go through that unless you've played and in, in, you've been a professional athlete for some time. Yeah. All right. The dream scenario, he locks himself in. He says, hey, 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 Rob, you know what? We're going to do this thing for another two, three years. Realistically, you got about three years left where you can play top notch ball. All right. You move better than Tom Brady has ever moved. Take a page out of Tom Brady's book. Each year, Tom Brady got better at something. As he got later in his career, his movement in the pocket, oh my gosh. One of the slowest moving quarterbacks, but you look at that man in the pocket and he can work that pocket. Aaron Rodgers has that. He has another good two or three years of being the quarterback that he has been his entire career, only a little slower in the leg. I think he still has the arm. He has the accuracy. He has everything else. He comes to the Jets, restructures his deal so that the Jets to bring in the pieces on the offensive line that he needs to be successful for the next three years. Let Aaron Rodgers know at some point we're going to draft a quarterback, whether it's this year or next year, we're drafting him to come in and replace you. Aaron Rodgers accepts that. Now, when you draft a quarterback, you don't have those issues that you're having that you had in Green Bay. All the chips are out there on the table. Aaron Rodgers, as a man, is coming in saying, hey, listen, coach, I'm going to give you three years. I'm locked in for three years, and this is it. And here's why he comes to New York. I said it before. If you're getting into commercial, you're getting into acting, you're doing any of these types of things, if you're not going to be in L.A., why not be in New York? L.A., New York, or Atlanta. Yeah. He'd be on Saturday Night Live immediately the week after he was announced as as traded to the Jets. It would be it, it would be overnight. And, and there absolutely is something to that. And what you're alluding to, this is where we'll get the news part into this show for the uh, the update for the fans there. Aaron Rodgers has not yet announced when he is going to make his announcement over whether he's going to be playing in 2023. There's still the option that he could be retiring this year. And this all becomes a moot point. 
from Rodgers himself uh, via the Pat McAfee show. He's going to wait until after the Super Bowl. And in the meantime, he's going to spend four days in a, stem, a sensory deprivation chamber where there will be no light, no sound, no nothing. And it's going to be Aaron Rodgers by himself, basically sitting alone in the dark for four days. And so in these four days, he's going to contemplate, meditate, whatever it is you want to call it, come to his decision. And like you're saying, Lamont, hopefully he's sitting there in the dark and, and he's seeing green in the shadows. And he's seeing this could be the way for me to prove just like Brady did. I can go anywhere and I can make anyone good. The legacy for Aaron Rodgers, and I think Aaron Rodgers cares a lot about legacy. The legacy for Aaron Rodgers to say, I made the Jets good, is astounding. He'll be attributed for, for any amount of success that they have, whether it's rightful or not. It will be they got Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers took them to the Super Bowl for the rest of time. And he will be enshrined in New York for the rest of time, like Joe Namath, where Joe Namath could walk down the streets of Madison Avenue right now, and everybody in the world would know who he is and recognize him and go running up to him, and he would be the talk of the town. That could be Aaron Rodgers for the rest of his life. And I'm sure that's what it's going to be like for Aaron Rodgers for the rest of his life in a lot of places, especially Green Bay. But New York is a different animal. New York don't care two craps about nothing unless you are the cream of the crop. And so if you're going to be the type of guy that can own New York, there's a, a select handful of people that have that ability as athletes to say that they ever own New York and they were the face of the teams that were dominating in this, this city when things were going well, whether it's basketball, football, et cetera. The guys that own New York become legends. Derek Jeter's one of the biggest names in the history of the major leagues. Played, playing for the Yankees is a big part of that. You talk about Walt Frazier on the Knicks uh, way, way back in the day. And again, a household name. You see Lawrence Taylor on the Giants, widely regarded as one of the best defensive players in history. And I'm sure if Lawrence Taylor was anywhere else, he would still be Lawrence Taylor. But would he have gotten the immediate recognition and been in movies later in his career and had all of the other excess on top of it if he didn't have those New York connections? There's no guarantee for that. So I'm, I'm with you. If I, quite honestly, if I'm sitting here and I'm hoping for a best case scenario, the best case scenario is you trade for Aaron Rodgers, he restructures his contract, and you get two to three years out of him of solid play. Hopefully, you, you steal a Super Bowl sometime in the middle of that uh, time frame. You draft his replacement at some point as well. Let that replacement learn for a while under Rodgers and then take over and hope to have a foundation of a team built outside of whatever new young quarterback has taken over. The Carr domino is interesting. And as we've talked about on this show before, there's a deadline for Derek Carr, and it is exactly a week from now. On February 15th, the $40 million of his, uh, Derek Carr's contract, $33 million for 2023 and $7 million for 2024, will become guaranteed on the Raiders' books if they do not cut or trade him by that date. So any team looking to acquire him is either going to have to do it before the 15th and restructure if they don't want to be locked into that amount of money, or be willing to take on that amount of money and guaranteed money right away and have that on their books. And not only that, have the, the ability and the space to have that on their books with everything else that they're going to have to work out in the cap for 2023, or Carr gets cut by the Raiders. And he gets to be a free agent like we talked about, in which case contract is yet to be signed and any amount of money is yet to be negotiated. You could negotiate your cap and free things up in different ways to fit deals better. The news with Derek Carr is right now he's in New Orleans and he's visiting with the New Orleans Saints. And the connection between Saints and the, uh, the Saints and Carr is the Saints head coach, Dennis Allen, was the Raiders head coach in 2014, the year Carr was drafted to the then Oakland Raiders. The thing is, they only spent one year together. Allen was fired after Carr's rookie season. Other uh, people came in. Allen went to New Orleans, worked in, on a defensive side of the ball, eventually got promoted to defensive coordinator and is now their head coach. So there's familiarity between Carr and Dennis Allen from the time they were both new in Oakland. On top of that, if you're looking at what makes this attractive for Carr, Chris Olave is a pretty dang good receiver. And if it wasn't for Garrett Wilson, he'd probably be the offensive rookie of the year. Some of us had him as the number one wide receiver in the draft, but I rest my case, you know, what are you going to do? Slight uh, humble brag there. Moving on. You got some attractive pieces when it's a good receiver and a guy you know. The issue for New Orleans is they do not have the money to pull this off without seriously, seriously affecting the rest of their team, not only for this year, but for years onward. 
as it currently stands, Lamont, there is not a single team projected to be more over the cap for the 2023 season than the New Orleans Saints. They are nearly $60 million over the cap for 2023 as it stands right now. If they were to cut every single player on their roster that is eligible for or cut every single player on their roster that would give them a positive cap savings and not dead money that's more than what they'd be saving on a base salary. If they cut everybody they possibly could that would save them money, they only save $23 million. Wow. If they restructure every single player on their con- on their books with at least more than a $2 million contract in 2023, every single one, and I mean every single one, if they restructure every single eligible contract on their books worth at least $2 million for for 2020, just enough cap space to sign Derek Carr under his current guarantees and sign their draft class. And that is literally it. That they could not do anything else in the offseason besides adding Derek Carr at his current price, if it were to be a trade, and signing their eventual draft class and draft picks. That means no other free agents. That means no re signing anybody else. That means no tendering. That means no trades. That means no, no anything. Your offseason is Derek Carr and your draft. And you are going to be quite literally right up on the edge of what you can afford under the salary cap just to get it there. That's assuming every single player agrees to a restructure. There's no guarantee that those players that are already under contract and set to have their money due and their cap hits or whatever, there's no guarantee that they're going to say, yeah, sure, I'll take less money. You can push me down another few years before I get paid or so that I can have this. Or players get money up front and you get cap hit moved to the end of the year they get guarantees out of the way and it becomes void years and that leads to players getting more cash up front that's going to require money from the Saints ownership to pay all of that cash up front you have to have if you're signing a check on a signing bonus a signing bonus is a check it's not a, a, a contract where it's you'll get x amount over game weeks per whatever that's money right there right up front one lump sum you have to be as the Saints ownership willing to pay that amount of money on top of whatever you're going to pay Derek Carr. So if I'm the New Orleans Saints, and the Saints are clearly interested in making this move for better or for worse, otherwise they wouldn't be visiting with Carr. And reportedly, this is not saying a trade is finalized or done, but kind of like Tyreek Hill when he was about to be traded, the Raiders are going to field offers from a handful of people. And once they get an offer they accept, then they'll give Carr permission to talk to that team. And what whoever Carr agrees to, the Raiders have already accepted compensation, so they don't have to worry about Carr waiving a no-trade clause because he does have that no-trade clause and could blow up any deal that he doesn't want to see happen to whatever team the Raiders might be looking to trade him to. If you're the Saints, you're in a situation where you're going to have to basically get rid of most of the rest of your good players that are veterans that are expensive. Names like Marshawn Lattimore, names like Michael Thomas, names like Alvin Kamara, names like Cameron Jordan. You're going to have to find ways to either restructure all of them, backload a bunch of cap and everything else into future years, which is going to make you in less, a worse a position than you already are in, being nearly $60 million over the cap, and fit in Derek Carr's money, hopefully signing him to some amount of a long-term deal, whether it be three, four <laughs> years, etc., and making sure that that contract isn't structured to have a bunch of money on the back end, too. The Saints are setting themselves up if they acquire Carr to basically have no money to field a team in 2025, where mm-hmm. they're going to be so far over the cap and so bloated on books that the 2025 Saints could be Derek Carr and a bunch of nobodies, and there's no one around them. I don't know if this makes a lot of sense for the Saints. I think what the Saints are going to do right now and why this visit is going on is the Saints are going to say, we want you here. Obviously, you know, Dennis Allen and Carr are familiar. We know each other. We can continue to build this relationship. We're used to this before. But they need Carr to restructure his contract. Mm-hmm. And they need Carr to move that $33 million in 2023 and $7 million in 2024. They need him to move that to other years. They need him to put that further down the line because otherwise they're going to have to flip their team around just to afford him on the books. If I'm Derek Carr, why would I do that? If I'm Derek Carr, why would I willingly take less money right now for the hope of money in the future when I'm going to be on a worse team, when I'm going to be a few years older, when I'm not going to be, when I'm going to be viewed as, uh, viewed at if things aren't going well 
as the expensive veteran that's now killing the books that they can't get rid of that's playing so terribly. And if you're Derek Carr, you can hit free agency in a week. And you can get a payday right now from another team that isn't the Saints, that isn't the Raiders, that's going to be a contract that's likely going to be more structured traditionally to have money up front right now, too. And so I'm, I really don't see why. I think Carr is visiting out of courtesy to Dennis Allen. I think he probably likes the situation of it being in a dome. I think he probably likes an, a suspectedly easy NFC South division to be playing in. I think he likes Chris Olave. I think he likes Alvin Kamara. They usually have a pretty solid offensive line. I can see the positives from Carr's angle from there. But from a business aspect, this is a terrible move for Derek Carr. Agreeing to a restructure and putting less money in your hands right now when the whole reason you're forcing this trade with Oakland or with Las Vegas, I'm going to call them Oakland until the day that I die, I swear. Uh, the whole reason you're forcing this trade or this release trade, et cetera, with Las Vegas is because you want your money right now and the Raiders don't want to pay you. So is that going to change for a different team? I don't buy it. I think for Derek Carr particularly and with the Jets particularly, that's where the match makes a lot of sense. The Jets are at $60 million over the cap. They have about $16 million in cap space as it currently stands and could make that upwards of closer to $30 million in cap space with some cuts, restructures, et cetera, to some other players, but not needing every single player to agree to a restructure and not needing to cut every single player with a positive cap savings for them. They can make that work easier and not hamstring themselves for the future. I just, the fact that this visit is even happening, quite honestly, Lamont, blows my mind. It blows my mind. I can't see how the Saints are sitting here going, one, this makes any sense for us financially, and two, why Carr would be open to going to a team that isn't going to be able to pay him right now. I just don't see it from either side. I think if he can get the money on the back end and he can somehow get it guaranteed, yeah. I think if the Saints were to do anything with Derek Carr trading-wise, you would have to accept the fact that this year is going to be just a blow-up year for you. I think the way you make it work with Derek Carr is that you're starting over. Um, he has a wide receiver out there. I, I mean, Michael Thomas, how much has he played in the last year or two? Yeah, you his know? cap hit for 2023, by the way, is $58 million. Yeah, so when you look at him and Taysom Hill alone, and I, and, and I said this when it happened, when they signed Taysom Hill to that long contract, it was going to handicap things, and that's what happened. I mean, that was that was a waste of money. I mean, I guarantee for whatever contract you gave him, you could have gotten four other players that were just, you could have got four players for the amount of money that you gave him that would have benefited your team more. So I think those two people are the ones who are really handicapping the Saints. I think the only way it works for Derek Carr is if a trade happens, you just have to accept that, hey, I'll tell you what, give us Derek Carr and we'll give you, I mean, hell, we'll give you Kamar. We'll give you Jordan. We'll give you whoever else. We'll give you Taysom Hill if you want. We'll give you all those guys. Give us Derek Carr. Take a Belichickian approach to it. If you have a guy that's up on their last year of their contract and you know you're not going to re-sign him, yep. try. get out of here early. Trade him. I, if you're the Saints and that's how you're looking at it, say, you go through your roster, say, okay, are we bringing this guy back? Nope, 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 nope. And you say, okay, Oakland, give us Carr. We're going to get rid of these guys. Carr, we need you to restructure. You're still going to get some money, but at least by restructuring, instead of, instead of taking two or three years to rebuild, we're in a situation where we could take this year to rebuild in a division that the whole division is rebuilding. Think about it. Tampa Bay are without Tom Brady. What is that team going to be? You look at the Carolina Panthers, who, in my opinion, right now is the favorite to win that division right now. You look at the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, come on. If you're Derek Carr and you want to go to a situation where you have to rebuild, I think that being in the NFC, I believe that's the NFC South. NFC South, yep. What better place to do it in? You're not, you're not competing against anybody for the division. And you're talking about if we're saying that we're coming in saying that this year we may not be very good, but the moves that we made that we're not going to be very good this year 
is going to set us up for the next two to four years that we can really compete for this thing. I think that that's a selling point for Derek Carr. Because even if you stuck, the winner of that division next year may not have 10 wins. All you have to do is win the division, get to the playoffs, and already you're headed in the right direction. The connection with the head coach would mean more to me if the head coach was an offensive guy. Because he's a defensive guy, I can care less if he's so what if he knows what type of defense we're going to run? Who's the offensive coordinator? Who is the guy that Derek Carr is going to be working with? So I don't hold, I don't, I don't carry as much value with who the head coach is because their relationship is just that's the defensive coordinator. Like you were a defensive guy. You weren't in my quarterback meetings. You weren't on the offensive side of the ball. You weren't doing those things. Not unless I'm wrong about that. Um, he wasn't uh, doing he was, those. He was the head coach in at, at the time, Oakland. He was the head coach when they were the Oakland Raiders at the time in 2014. So is it possible that he stopped in on a quarterback meeting every now and again? Sure. But Dennis Allen is a defensive coach and mm-hmm. he is a defensive coach first and foremost and is not going to be the guy calling the offense for the New Orleans Saints and hasn't been the guy calling the offense for the New Orleans Saints. So, yeah. So I'm with you on the car situation. It's, 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 it's tricky. But I will say this. I feel like the Jets are headed to the situation that we talked about a few shows ago, where I said I do not want to go and spend a bunch of money on any of these quarterbacks. And if it turns out that we miss both Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr, to continue to allow Coach and this franchise to build to where they're going, then so be it. Because I, I truly believe, I truly, truly believe you get an OCA here who knows what they're doing. You give us a better line and a quarterback that can read the fill out. And I think that the Jets are just fine. We don't have to go out there and spend a lot of money on a quarterback. With that said, I would much rather have Aaron Rodgers than Derek Carr. You give me Aaron Rodgers that's committed to, hey, I'm playing three more years regardless of how it goes. I'm going to commit to this thing for three years. Give me Aaron Rodgers in that situation over any other quarterback that's out there. That's a free agent. Even if you tell me you could bring Tom Brady back, we had a choice of getting Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers at their at this point in their career. Can't go wrong with either one. But I will still take Aaron Rodgers simply because he moves better than Tom does. We need a quarterback that can move in the pocket. We need a quarterback that has seen it all. We need a quarterback that can be that voice. And I just don't, I just don't feel like Derek Carr is 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 what we need yeah and i can understand that i i really can i i can definitely see the aspect of we need to get right on the details we need to make sure that these young guys know that there is a standard here and that it must be met and that if you are not meeting that standard then you're not going to be part of the plan and we only want guys that want to commit 110 percent and work every day to get to where we want to get to and I think Rodgers is absolutely more the guy that's going to hold everyone more accountable to that. And also, I think he's more the guy that's going to inspire everyone to work more to start with. Yes. I, I think there's that, there's that jolt of energy of, oh, crap, we got Aaron Rodgers now. We got a former MVP. We got, you know, A-Rod 12 coming to town. This is a big deal. Uh, Joe Namath said he'd unretire his number 12 jersey with the Jets if Aaron Rodgers came to New York so he could take it. That's a different level of of energy as opposed to a Derek Carr. And I don't think that, that the Jets players would be upset to have Carr, especially after what they went through last year. I think they'd be pretty happy with, with just about anybody if it's not Zach Wilson. But I can absolutely see that angle of there's going to be more of a commitment to getting things right. And I think Carr, I think Rodgers might be looking not only for legacy, but looking for that place that's going to take things more seriously and do everything they can to win give him as much talent around him as possible and put him in the position to succeed. And I think Carr wants to go to a place where he feels comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think Carr wants to go to a place where I'm not going to say that Carr doesn't care about winning because I'm sure he does. I'm absolutely sure he does. But based on the, the reason that Derek Carr is leaving Vegas, it was because of his relationship with Josh McDaniels and how Josh McDaniels being Belichickian in his ways and a descendant of Belichick himself 
was we're going to be in meetings and I'm calling out every single mistake everybody did over and over and it's unacceptable. And, and Josh McDaniels was that we have this high standard and I'm not going to give in or let anything go. And Derek Carr, and this is from a report, I believe it was through ESPN that was sourced by uh, anonymous Raiders players that were on the team this past year. Carr apparently felt personally kind of scapegoated by McDaniels and that everyone is getting made out to, you know, do things wrong, but they're hyper-focusing on Carr and the mistakes that he's making. Carr kind of felt like it was unfair to him, and he wanted to go somewhere where he isn't being made out to be the reason for all the mistakes when it seemed to be everybody's issue. The problem with that, and this is why I think you would mention the idea of Hackett being the nicer guy and Sala being the nicer guy and not having that that grit to go along with it to, to hone in on the details when it's needed, Apparently, other Raiders players, and these are guys that presumably had been around Carr for years. McDaniels was in his first year as head coach, so they barely know McDaniels besides this one year under him. They've known Carr for however long before that. It seemed like the players sided with McDaniels. It seemed like the players were going, Derek was taking it too personally, and everyone's getting called out. It's not he's the only one getting called out in meetings. It's not, it's just you and it's your fault and everyone else is doing everything fine. It's we're all making mistakes and we're all getting called out and you're just getting called out more because you're the quarterback and you touch the ball every play. So I'm not going to sit here and lie. That's my number one worry with Derek Carr. <laughs> is that And listen, as that's my number one worry. Yeah. And, and listen, Drew, as it should be, I've said in those meetings, I sat in a meeting with Bill Belichick where we watched film and he breaks down every position, every mistake that was made, especially if during the course of the week, these were some of our top points. On third in this situation, this team plays this defense. This is where we're looking. You know, Lamont, walking through the hallway. Hey, uh, what are we expecting on second and five? You got to know that stuff. That's the standard. That's what makes the Patriots who they are. That's what makes Bill Belichick and and all the players there, Tom Brady, who they are, is because that was the standard. And so that that there alone lets me know that Derek Carr is not the guy for New York. Because if you can't handle your head coach calling out everybody and you're taking it personal, let me tell you, bro, you're not going to be able to deal with the New York media. What's going to happen when you and your family every single day got to pick up posts yeah. or whatever the case, whatever Whatever media outlet is up there in New York, yeah. what's going to happen yeah. where you're in the car crash on the back of the yeah. New York car Daily News after a three interception performance? He's not, yeah. York, he's not New York. He's not a New York quarterback. If you're telling me that one of his issues is that he's being called out as the quarterback, mind you, a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator, a Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator that did the same thing to Tom Brady. Who the hell are you as Derek Carr to have any type of feelings about it? You are a nobody compared to Tom Brady. You've done nothing in the National Football League compared to what Josh McDaniels has accomplished. And if you have other players in the locker room who are saying that, look, look, basically, listen, it's not, it's not just Carr. He's not putting that was it the on. impression I got from the report. Straight yeah, quotes from players saying Derek took it too personally. Like everybody gets it. That's the standard. You didn't get your block here. Quarterback, your eyes are in the wrong direction. Quarterback, you didn't point out the right mic. Quarterback, your footwork is wrong. Like these things matter. This isn't a situation. He's not a coach. Belichick is not a coach. These aren't coaches that 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 oh, we got to have all of this super-duper talent to make up for our inability to coach because that's what you see throughout high school. That's what you see throughout college. And, and a lot of times, that's what you see in the league. You see coaches who can't make adjustments, coaches who don't know how to develop players, and they're relying purely on the talent of the players that's in that locker room. Josh McDaniels is not that type of coach. I played for him in, with the Denver Broncos. He's bringing the same standard with his personality with it. So that alone lets me know Derek Carr is not the quarterback that you want to have in New York City. If you can't handle a coach coaching you up, New York City as an athlete is not the place for you. And so for me, Derek Carr is out of the question. He's out of the conversation for me. For me, it's give us Aaron Rodgers or let's go to free agency. Use that money to build your team around you. Because just like the AFC South, I think the NFC South is about to go through a shift. I think the AFC East is about to go through a shift. I think the Buffalo Bills are, he are headed downward. 
I think the Miami Dolphins are a year or two away from just blowing up. I think the New York Jets right now, um, um, Buffalo, you got the Patriots, you have the Jets and the Dolphins. Yeah, I think right now, if you look at where the AFC East right is right now, I think every other team is dropping and the Jets are rising simply because of the way Coach Sala and this franchise has done things. Don't blow that up by going out and, A, getting a quarterback that can't handle tough coaching. You can't handle the New York media. So already right there, what we don't want is a quarterback that comes in here that we have anything to be skeptical about when it comes to who they are as a football player. There is no question who Aaron Rodgers is as a football player. There is no question who Aaron Rodgers is as a quarterback. And if you look at the personalities of the two quarterbacks, who fits New York better, Aaron Rodgers or, or, or Carr? Because if you're telling me, if people are saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers is an a-hole, guess what? New York is the perfect place for him. So to me, it, to me, Derek Carr is Good out. Point. Give me Aaron Rodgers because everything about Aaron Rodgers says New York. You want to ask him a-hole questions, you're going to get a-hole answers. And guess what? The New York area is going to love it. Because one thing that they know is that regardless of what happens with Aaron Rodgers off of the field, no matter what happens with Aaron Rodgers in media and all of these different types of things, when that man is on that football field and he's barking out cadences and he's getting your offense set, that is who you want. You ask any football fan, who would you rather have? A guy that's going to be a politician in the media and then going to go out on the football field and piss down their leg? Or a guy that's going to be an a-hole in the media and give you answers to give you dumb answers to the dumb questions that you ask. But every time he steps out there on that football field, you know that you have a legitimate chance of winning simply because he is your quarterback. So in our offseason quarterback discussion, for me, Derek Carr is out. Give me Aaron Rodgers or go to the free agency and continue to build this team the way that they're building it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, Lamont. I tried to block that report out of my head ever since I read it. Because it is, I do think for all the reasons that I laid out today, I think Derek Carr is the smartest move the Jets could make. If you're looking at not setting yourselves up for a possible disaster in the future, not giving out a lot of draft capital right now or on a conditional basis when you might not have to give out anything, setting the terms of your own contract and age if everything works out well to continue building for the future on top of it. That's what my my team building brain is saying this is the smart move to do. But then I go back to my football brain and I go back to my, if if I was in that locker room and if I was, you know, standing next to the guy, this guy as he's reading the play call and it's the last drive, what am I thinking? It is, it was staggering to me, quite honestly, staggering that Raiders players barely knew Josh McDaniels for a year and took his side. That Derek Carr has been the leader of the Raiders for nine seasons, I think it is, eight or nine years at this point since 2014. Multiple players have been on that team with him for years as well that have known this guy for a long, long time. And it takes one year of Josh McDaniels for everyone to not jump in and defend Carr, where there's no one who's going to sit there and say, maybe Josh was being a little too hard on him specifically. We were all doing our jobs, but maybe it wasn't all Derek. Maybe it wasn't as much being put on him as Josh making it out of his team. There wasn't any of that. There wasn't any of that. And I really don't want to put too much stock into things that aren't that aren't intangibles, that aren't result-based orients, uh, results-based that aren't results-based, and that you can't look at and get tangible results from. Where I can look at Derek Carr's play, I can look at Derek Carr and and his contract, I can look at things in terms of assets given up. All of that is real, but I can't judge Derek Carr the man. I don't know him. And I, I can't judge, you know, the mental aspect of that and how he would handle New York, but it it did not sit right with me at all. That guys that I would think players, and again, you can speak to this yourself, I feel like players are always supposed to have players' backs first. You're never going to sit there and automatically go and run and defend your coach if your fellow player is not in the wrong. There's mm -hmm. a standard of if you're in the wrong, then we're all going to call you out because we're in here together and we're trying to be the best we can. But if a coach is being unfair, I feel like if, if anyone, it's a, another player's job to step in and say, you know, that's unfair. That wasn't quite how it was supposed to go. I don't think McDaniels was being unfair. I don't think this was a situation where McDaniels was just singling him out and scapegoating him. I think it was Carr couldn't handle the criticism. 
And McDaniel said high standards for everybody. And the spotlight being on him as the quarterback was a little too much. What's that say for New York? I don't know, but it's really, really scary to think about. And that's why I've kind of blocked it out of my mind. But speaking to you, it's it's right back. And it's a major concern for me. And I really don't know where we are going to go forward. Part of me, quite honestly, hopes that Carr gets out of New Orleans. No deal is done. He gets released and the Jets can sign him for three years for something reasonable and get out of it after two if things don't go well. And we'll see what happens. And the other part of me is thinking if they do that, it's going to fail regardless. Because Hackett is going to be another nicer guy who's going to be right there with them, ready to go. And then what if he isn't getting called out when maybe he needs to be? Then you have Zach Wilson again, just 30 times more expensive. So, so that's my, that's the fear for me. And so uh, to close things out before I want to let you get into your talk about the Super Bowl, because I know you're excited to get a little preview in on that before we jump in and do our full preview on Saturday. But to close things out, when I'm looking at this situation, this is going to be kind of a weird analogy, but I'm going to make it anyway. I relate it to the draft. And a lot of times I have two players when they play the same position as draft prospects, where you have the guy that's the higher floor, but the lower ceiling. And then you have the other guys that are the really big ceiling that could be incredible, but the floor isn't quite there and the risk is huge. That The high ceiling, high floor is Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. The risk is huge. It's going to cost you a lot of money. It's going to cost you draft picks, but your ceiling is a Super Bowl. Yeah, Your ceiling is Aaron Rodgers wins another MVP and a Jets quarterback is an MVP. For however, if that has ever happened, let alone at all, I wouldn't be able to tell. Conversely, you have Carr, where I think the floor of is there going to be the risk that things are going to completely and totally bottom out and everything is going to be terrible? I'm sure there's a slight risk of that, but I don't think that it is as big as Aaron Rodgers retires out of the blue because he doesn't like New York, and now you're left on the books with with all of that drama. I think there's a little bit more of a floor there, but the ceiling with Carr is limited. And I don't know if you keep there's not a comparison between the ceilings of a car and a Rogers. It's not even in the same stratosphere and where the jets are at right now, needing to put up or shut up. I think you swing for Aaron Rodgers, and you miss. I don't know if that's going to get you fired because I think Woody Johnson's going to be on board. I think it's, we went after an MVP caliber quarterback who we still thought was an MVP caliber quarterback and you know tried to do for whatever amount of few years as we could we tried to get the best guy possible and it just didn't work out i think there's a way not guaranteed but i think there's a way if you're robert sala and joe douglas you might be able to keep your jobs if that doesn't work if you opt for car and it fails then everyone's getting fired you're done you're done done. yeah i'm with you on that and that's why it's it's aaron Rodgers or it's nobody i mean you bring in aaron Rodgers. You can bring in a quarterback that can learn from Aaron Rodgers. You know, what is he going to learn from Carr? You know, as a player in a locker room, man, you come up like this. And this is just, this is just what it is. As a player, you can always tell the guys that when the moment got big, who were going to melt. If a coach yelled at them and they got in their feelings and they tucked their head between their legs, you know those are guys that you can't count on when things get tough. If, if, if a coach gets on you and and <clears throat> and your attitude is, well, dang, you're always getting on me. You're always getting on me and you're not getting on and yeah. you're, you're getting on yeah. all of these other players. Yeah. Why are that, they getting on you then? They're, they're getting on you because like they're trying to get you to, to where you need to be. That's just the fact of the matter. I mean, yeah. I, I was University of Maryland all time leading rusher and Coach Locke was hard as hell on me. When I was in high school, all right, Coach Lynch, all my coaches, all the way across the board, like you got coached up. And it wasn't just me, it was everybody. You got coached up. And if you can't, a coach told me this, and I learned this in high school, early in high school. They said, if you want to be successful in life, you have to be able to handle constructive criticism. And what we're finding from a lot of these athletes today, and I'm speaking from a guy that's been out the league for 13 years now, that's been coaching for 13 years or training in some capacity, a lot of these athletes today can't handle constructive criticism. They've been led to believe that they're super good or that they're, they're the Hall of Famer simply because they show the ability to do something once or twice. No, you, you, 
you have to be able to handle constructive criticism. You have to be able to handle a coach screaming and yelling in your face. If you can't handle that, then this is not for you. And that's what I mean when I would always talk about the difference between social media athletes and, and football players, social media athletes and basketball players. Those guys who are just bona fide football players or bona fide athletes, they already, we already know what it is. The social media athlete, oh, you're hurting my feelings. And then you go to social media, hey, you're so good. Don't worry about it. And you feed into all that. Forget that. The way that I went pro and I was able to last for nine years is that I understood this. There were only three people that I mattered what their opinions were. My mom, my teachers, and my coaches. That was it. If you're praising me, but you're praising me for something and my coach didn't shoot me out because of it, only person who matters is my coach. That's it. New York City is not a city for the faint-hearted. And if you can't handle constructive criticism, if you can't handle being told that you stuck and that you were wrong and that every little thing that you did is going to get pointed out, if you can't handle that, New York City is not the place for you. And that's not just to Derek Carr. That's to any athlete that wants to play New York City. If you can't handle constructive criticism, it is not for you. If you just want to come and you just want to make money and you want people to glorify you and tell you that you're great and wonderful and you're not, New York City is not the place for you. Because if you come there, the fan base wants to see a winner. Jets fans want to see a winner. I will never forget, I think it was my last year in New York, we played the Cincinnati Bengals on a preseason game and it poured down rain and we had fans out there just cheering their butts off. Fans after the game, and this is preseason. All right. The fans in New York, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Nets, whether it's the Jets, it does not matter. At the end of the day, these fans want to see their teams win. And I can't ever think of a New York team that won. And you can look at that team and say that they were soft and finesse. Not one. I can't. The New York Giants, there was nothing soft or finesse no. about that team. No. When you look at the New York they had a 260-pound 6'4 running back. There was no, nothing on, stopped about that Giants. When you look at the New York Knicks, all right? Back with Patrick Ewing and, and Oakley and those guys, did they win a championship? No. But was there anything soft about that team? Hell no. There was nothing soft about that team. You're not going to win in New York with soft players. And if you can't handle constructive criticism, New York is not the place for you. So for me, I already said it. Aaron Rodgers is, 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 is where it's at. If we're trying to get to the game that we're really going to break down on Saturday with our pick, and that is this Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles group. And let yep. me tell you, I don't know how to call this one. I do not know how to call this one. When you look at it, you, most people think then and say, hey, you know what? Philadelphia Eagles should be able to run the ball. All right? And at first glance, thinking about Kansas City from last year, I'm saying, oh, Philly may run the ball down their throat. Dude, I did not know that the Kansas City Chiefs were the number eight best team against the run. Didn't know that. They were one of the worst defenses overall last year. And you see how far they got. When you look at offensively, Kansas City is ranked first in total. In, in total, Kansas City is ranked first in total yards, right? Kansas City is ranked first in points. All right? Here's where things get shaky. Philly is ranked eighth, and Kansas City is ranked 20th versus the run. I'm, I'm going to give everybody a quick preview here. And I don't know how this thing is going to go. And we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get on the show. But for everybody who is looking to make bets, for everybody who thinks that this game is going to go a certain way, here's what I'm here's what I'm visualizing about this game. If Kansas City is going to win, it's going to be on the back of the group that won the Super Bowl for them. That first that Super Bowl, and it's the running back. It is the running back. If Travis Kelsey does not go off in this game, I'm telling you, the Kansas City running backs are going to go off. Yeah. It's just that simple. That's, that's, that's how I see this game. I'm nervous because Kansas City is not a team that gets out the gate fast. No. I'm not sure if you go down by 14 against Philly. <laughs> I, 
if there was a with that pass rush and that secondary and their ability to run the football consistently mm, but here's the thing here's the thing about it all right i have zero okay and i mean zero respect for the schedule of the philadelphia eagles i have no respect for it none at all for the most part, all season long, you've played absolutely nobody. Let's look at these teams that they've played, Drew. They played the Giants twice, boo, no offense. The Saints, boo. They played the Cowboys. They lost the first game 40 to 34. All right. But you played the Bears offense, boo. The Giants, boo. The Titans offense, boo. They played against the Green Bay Packers, lost 40 to 33. They played against the Colts, boo, thumbs down. They lost to the Commanders in a game where I think Heineke took over. They switched up their offense, ran the ball down their throat. Then they played against the Texans, boo. They played against the Steelers, thumbs down. Cowboys, thumbs down. The Cardinals, thumbs down. They played against the Jaguars. That's a respectful game. The Commanders, again, the Vikings, we know what they were, and they played. They ended. The, uh, they played against the um, the Detroit Lions. Drew. Yeah, it's not great. They played nobody. They played against nobody. The one offense that I respect on this schedule. There are two offenses that I respect on this schedule: the Green Bay Packers, and, and I respect the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have a little respect for the Dallas Cowboys, but because it's the Dallas Cowboys and they were destined to have happened to them, what happened this year was that they were going to be a big disappointment. I don't respect, I just don't have respect for the Philadelphia Eagles schedule. And I think that in a game of this magnitude, something has to be said about the team and the coach that has been here time and time again. I don't know how this game is going to go. I think it's I think the Eagles could blow out Kansas City. I think that if Kansas City gets up early, I just don't see the Eagles maintaining their composure enough to be able to fight back. This is a game where if you're the National Football League, I think you got what you want out of this. I don't know what the total is, but I said this coming into it. If they set the total at anything that is 50 or higher, Vegas is going that is the line that Vegas, I think, that if they set that line to anything 50 or higher, and I don't know what the, what the line is, I'm really going to be interested to see where most of the money goes. Because I think that a lot of people are going to play the over, and I would be, would surprise me one bit if this game is not an under. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm going to make one point because I want to save most of my analysis for our actual show on Saturday. But I'm right there with you. I think the number one factor in this game and two teams that are both very, very good at the top of their divisions have been at the top of pretty much the league for most of the entirety of this season, easy schedule or otherwise. I think the difference here is experience. And when you're looking at the Eagles, they just don't have a ton of experience. You have veterans in Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and Lane Johnson. Awesome. Guys that were on the Super Bowl team in 2018 have been there before, know what they're doing. That's absolutely great. You have a head coach in his second year. You have a quarterback in his second or third year, I believe second year starting. You have a wide receiver, a number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. Fantastic wide receiver. Been playing great. Never played in a Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure probably only I'd have to go back and check if the Titans even made the playoffs with A.J. Brown. Maybe once or twice, but they never got that far with it. Not like they had these long playoff runs. Devontae Smith has championship experience from Alabama but not NFL championship experience. This is his first time in the playoffs. There's a lot of, of new here. Darius Slay was in Detroit the last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. You look over at Kansas City. Andy Reid has been doing this for years. This is not his first rodeo. Patrick Mahomes is about to be playing in Super Bowl number three. This is not his first rodeo. Travis Kelsey's used to this. This is not his first rodeo. Chris Jones is used to this. Not his first rodeo either. A lot of this Kansas City team, is there some new pieces here and there? Yeah, but you know what their really main difference is? They lost Tyree. Yeah. A lot of the rest of the team is the same. 
a lot of the rest of the team is there from just two short years ago when they were in the Super Bowl and lost. And so I think that experience is going to show up at some point in this game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout for either side. I don't think anybody is going to be sitting here completely and totally dominant. We're not about to watch Broncos Seahawks from 2013. I don't think there's any way that happens. But I think one way or another, the experience of the Chiefs is going to be what pays off for them. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. And you also got to take into account a guy like Valdez Scantley, who played with an Aaron Rodgers. So there's a there's there's a pressure that he's played under his entire career because you're playing under the pressure of the expectation of an Aaron Rodgers. You look at a Juju, you know, you you know, you look at Juju, you look you look at the weapons that Kansas City has, and then it goes back to what you said, that experience, man. Um, I'm gonna take a deeper dive into this just so that I can be able to already know how we're gonna go. It's super mm-hmm. cool. when we put our picks out there, oh buddy, I can't wait to see if I I I can visualize some plus fifty three hundreds. Oh, I got! I already got it. I already got it coming. I already got it coming. I got a three piece parlay for the Super Bowl coming on Saturday. You guys buckle up for that one. Indeed, man. Indeed. But another great show, Drew. Another great show, baby. Yes, sir. Appreciate all you guys stopping by and tuning in. As always, thank you to Bet Online for sponsoring. Make sure you guys are following the show at B L E A V underscore N underscore Jets. You can also find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17, and you can find Big Dog over there at Coach Jordan 34. Thank you guys one more time for stopping by, and we will be back on Saturday afternoon to give you guys a preview of Super Bowl 57 as well as some fun bets to get in before the game itself begins. Thank you guys one last time. We'll be back real, real soon. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.